uh, two, three episodes ago, you reviewed a uh, good old flick I really enjoyed called <laughs> Called <laughs> I love that movie. You remember that review, right? That was a great one. Tough to uh, pronounce. Reviewed... Excellent Sorry. flick. It's the movie toasty show here for you. Dennis and Adam joke about orgasms and sweet movie reviews. We talk about TV too, right? I, I think so. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah! Episode 81. Let's get this fun time started, everybody. How you doing tonight, Dennis? I'm doing pretty good, sir. I, I'm I'm good. I am excited to toast some movies, or movie in my case, as you'll hear. And Adam, Adam <laughs> did all of his homework this week. I I did not quite enough. But, of course, we, we got that toast. We got the toast for you still. Don't you worry. It's crunchy. It's munchy. It's, it's, it's in your face, guys. We're going to get this bad boy rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Dennis... I got a, I got one single poll today, man. You ready for this one poll that I got for us? Sir, I think I can handle your poll. All right. So last week I uh, reviewed a movie called... What the fuck was the name? <laughs> Voyagers was the movie I, I, I reviewed. Yes, a, sir. A space movie, an epic in space. So I wanted to know what our viewers think the best space movie is out of the following. 2001 A Space Odyssey, Moon, Gravity, and Interstellar. Oh, there's some good choices in there, though. Three newer, one older. Yeah. 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 I, I had five, and I had to widow, widow it down to four. I'm like, this is a tough call. Okay. Shoot. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm missing a couple of these, to be honest. I Unfortunately, I never watched Moon, and I, I remember hearing nothing but Ooh. good things about it. So I feel like that will skew oh, my man. response. That but... has my vote right here, man. It's a great movie. If you like uh, Justin Hammer, that that's his name from... Uh, fucking iron man to uh sam rockwell, sam rockwell. we watch movies folks i promise uh we don't know anything about anything don't lie to the audience <laughs> my check into the poll would have been gravity okay that's that's a solid movie I, I i can't disagree with you there moon was my vote for this okay and just like you the audience does not know or care about moon apparently because percent. up next 20 percent Went to 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is what I hear a classic that I've never seen because it looks boring as hell to me. <laughs> and Gravity tied with Interstellar, which I've never seen Interstellar either, so I can't judge. So, uh, yeah, you're on the pulse on the, that one, Dennis. Woo! If it was a tiebreaker, you just broke it all right. into the gravity field. All right, all right, all right. Dennis, we're... Well, that's Interstellar, man. <laughs> what are you doing? You're switching platforms on me. Hey, man, oh, don't man. try Speaking to tell me which space platforms, I'm in. Uh, we, we, we are a show, ideally, if you're listening to us, we're called Movie Toast News and Reviews. <laughs> and as you know, we have not done news in about 67 episodes, give or take, out of the 81 episodes. And uh, I want to bring that back into fold here, Dennis. So let's start this new segment out. We're, me and Dennis have both chosen two news stories that we find enjoyable that we didn't tell each other about. So we're going to have a conversation. Hopefully we can have a gauging conversation before reviews. So Dennis, you want to hit me off with your first article? Absolutely. Your first uh, story of sorts. Yes, sir. And this is, you know, it's a, a little bit of a rumory thing, but as some of you listeners may know, and Adam, I know, you know, I, I am a video game fan. I, I like to think of myself as a gamer. And uh, one of my favorite okay. video games series of all time is the saints row series. So 
I know I've heard it's been around. There's been a script oh, and development hell one, for yep. a minute, but it sounds like we're starting to kind of lock down the the script. So uh, the writer for the new Mortal Kombat film is actually, or the co-writer, excuse me, Greg Russo, uh, is signed on to write the screenplay for the Saints Row movie. Holy shit! This is awesome. I I gotta be. I gotta. Oh, yeah. I gotta admit. I'm excited for this. It's um, someone who's tackling a subject matter where that's it's both this high concept, but you still need to deliver a story in a format that works on a screen, you know, on a cinema screen, not just something that's entertaining. Mm. I mean, yeah, explosions, getting kicked in the nuts. That's going to be easy to achieve. How are we going to have all the explosions p- kicking people in the nuts and yes. tell a story? What, what what are they what are they saying this movie is going to be a mixture of? I hear some big movies they're going to be combining to give us the fail of what we're in for. Ah, this is true. Okay, so uh, one of the comments that were made in the um, interview where this uh, article comes from, which I found on Collider, by the way. Thank you very much, Collider. Uh, it's it's going to kind of influence the flavors of both Escape from New York and The Warriors, two cla- like cult mm, classic films. I love both these movies. And I, I, mm-hmm. as a fan of the game series, I think this makes total sense in order to kind of ground it a little bit more in a semi-realistic world. That's a great frame of reference to try to look at uh, this movie from. So the game that this gets commonly compared to is Grand Theft Auto. And I feel like the that is the main difference where Grand Theft Auto is more grounded in reality. Saints Row is the over the top ridiculous version of this world. Uh, you're going to have the gangbangers and. You're still you're still smoking blunts and drinking forties, but it is hilarious dialogue. <laughs> it's it's fantastic uh, character cameos. Their voice acting was always excellent in the Saints Row games, and that's what I'm excited for uh, the films. I kind of hope everything. Well, not everything. I hope a few of the things rolls over. Keith David was one of the voices, one of the main characters. I kind of hope he has a cameo or at least voices someone in the movie. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Should this should be interesting. Should be interesting. Obviously, we know uh, yeah. video game movies have a long and varied history of quality. So at least this one has a good <laughs> shot in the arm of uh, some something good coming for it. Well, I think you mentioned it in the gecko of your, your your story here that this is coming from one of the co-screen writers of the new Mortal Kombat movie that comes out tomorrow. Yes, sir. And so if anything, we've heard nothing but great reviews from this movie if it's half as good as what we're hearing from Mortal Kombat, and if it's as good as those two movies that they say it's going to be like, I think we're in good hands. This could be a, a turnaround for the video game to feature film adaptation uh, a curse that we're, we're, we have been having for years. Oh, for sure. It, you know, uh, there, there, there's a few things that'll stand out, but it's I feel like it's the things that we're willing to kind of break the mold and kind of do the daring thing. Detective Pikachu is fantastic. Mm. It doesn't have to be the story of Ash Ketchum. You know, I don't need to see six gym badges and taking down Giovanni in the Elite Four. That's fine. We've all done that. Let's have a new story. So bring it on. Saints Row movie. I mean, Detective Pikachu was a game before it was before a movie. Oh, this is true. I don't know how close it was. I never played it. That's true. But yeah, you're right. It can definitely have a little freedom with it. Don't just be sticking to one thing. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. Speaking of sticking with one thing and breaking out and trying something different, back in 2018, one of my favorite bands, uh, Tenacious D, put out a a cartoon slash uh, feature film slash rock opera called Tenacious D in Post-Apocalypto. 
And uh, since then, they've been doing so much. They did they did the cartoon, they did the soundtrack, they did a graphic novel, and now they're getting into the NFT, uh, the non fungible tokens. As everyone's oh, doing nowadays. all right. Now Jack Black drew all the frames for this movie, and now they're auctioning off actual artwork that Jack Black did it uh, did oh. for, it, and he's going to have commentary for it. So I, I found that kind of cool. But at the same point, another uh, director that I really like, uh, Kevin Smith, he made a. Uh, feature film uh anthology movie called Kilroy is here um about some uh i guess urban myth of some some killer named Kilroy and uh he shot this a couple of years ago he uh he directed it and used some students from uh this this uh, film school out in Florida but we didn't hear much about it for years and um they showed a preview of it at uh, the Comic-Con at home last year it didn't look so great to me but it's still like okay cool but he's actually uh, the first director that i know yeah, he's actually auctioning off this uh, this whole feature film as an NFT. So he's giving the whole rights to this movie. People can go and distribute it or they can keep it. They can do whatever they want with it. Whole movie is an NFT. So one person can have the rights to everything. Oh, my God. I just find it kind of interesting. Wow. Yeah. Huh. I, that's interesting. No, I, I, I remember seeing this before. Yeah. Because it's the way you had framed that. I remember seeing the headline. I'm like, oh, so he's just like selling off still frames or like promo artwork as NFT. No, the whole movie yeah. is its own. Pe- Interesting. All right. I guess that's yeah. broadening yeah. the perspective yeah. of what these items can be, not just still images or gifts or even sounds anymore. Like, mm-hmm. interesting. Huh? I guess it's a new yeah, way of interpreting yeah. this. Cause, cause, uh, he, he has a whole bunch of quotes that he said about it, but ideally he, he figured back in the day he was an indie filmmaker, breaking ground and doing different things and he's been selling different things throughout time so he's like i want to try this out and it's like hey maybe if the movie's not great he's still gonna make some good money doing this as a gimmick and uh i don't know maybe it's a great movie maybe i'll never see it who knows what's gonna happen but uh i'm kind of intrigued by the fact that now notable people i mean i guess Lindsay lohan put out a song recently all these people are doing it but a whole movie i'm intrigued to see if that's gonna happen more and more because like i guess he put his own money into it but do you think they could do this with a studio, not a studio movie, but like movie with backers? I don't know. It seems risky. Now, I think it starts to change the context of ownership. So now if if full ownership is going to that person, I think potentially that person could then decide to release the film because they own it. Right. Yeah. The whole, the whole point saying, of it. Yeah. The whole point of it is that they own it. outright. Now this person, they can literally start making distribution deals if they wanted to. So it's mm-hmm. I now I, that is an interesting thought, because now we can have this introduction of new independent film backers that could make that. Huh. I don't know. This is interesting. See, because this is weird. A, the past couple world. of movies uh, <laughs> since Kevin Smith kind of stopped doing his view skew movies. He, he did like Red State, uh, the, 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 the Tusk, uh, yeah. Yoga Hosers, even Jansen Reboot, all these movies. He's pretty much done a roadshow. He's been four walling it and just pretty much going on tour with the movies himself and opening it up in different markets by himself and keeping all the profit. So I'm kind of intrigued that he's done that. He's in the studio thing. He's done self-distribution and now he's doing like a cryptocurrency thing. It's like uh, very interesting to me. I don't know. Dennis, uh, what, what do you got up next? What's your next story? Well, uh, my next one is actually going to call back a little bit to our last story. So I, I like that we we name dropped uh, Escape from New York earlier. This one's going to kind of lean into that. So uh, it's been going around. They are remaking the Escape from New York film. And with uh, all of the Falcon Winter Soldier hype, um, 
Wyatt Russell was asked, hey, man, would would you ever consider reprising or playing your father's role? Uh, and to be honest, I could totally Snake see Plissken. Wyatt Russell playing Snake Plissken. Yeah, it's like I, I would, it's like that'd be natural. He, he easily could carry. He's got a lot of his dad's swagger. Like he can be that cold, calculated badass, but he won't oh, yeah. touch it. In his words, this is huh. this is uh, his father's role. Um, it's like uh, and this is something I found kind of interesting. In his opinion, the character and the cult following to the film are so strong. And I imagine growing up with this being in his household, it's like you'd have so much respect for for it as it stands that he doesn't he wouldn't dare touch it. He also hopes no mm. one plays. He'd like he would rather it didn't get remade at all if he had his way, I suppose. But still offered his best yeah. of luck to whoever takes up the mantle. But um, I, then I then kind of started to wonder, are there any other uh, Kurt Russell characters that would be interesting to see Wyatt Russell, his his hand at? What, what would it be like to see mm. uh, another version of The Thing? Or fuck it, That'd Overboard. Let's try that one more time. Because well, that they... worked so well last time. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they. I like the last one, the one with Anna Faris and uh, this, this okay, guy. Okay, okay. His name ever, but I really like him. But yeah, I, I get it. You're right. Why there's not? A, there's a few things. Uh, to be honest, what I could easily see him, like the first thing I thought of, I could easily see him being in uh, Stargate. Say as his okay. father's role, like it's it's same kind of military style character. But when you know when all the chips are down, when it all comes down to it, he has to make the the tough ultimate call and draw the hard line of no, we're you know he's ends up being kind of a kind of a bad guy. Um, anyways, you know what I, I thought that was interesting. Now that you're saying that, I'm thinking, what if it, it's not a remake or something? What if he takes one of the projects his father did and he plays a younger version of him in a prequel? See that? I mean, could sure be they don't look alike, but I don't know. I feel like there could be some some leeway there. Maybe you don't think they look alike? I think they kind of do. They got the same shaped jaw. Yeah, maybe like the shape of their head is very similar. The eyes they do the they do the same steely thousand yard gaze <laughs> of like I'm looking into your soul. There's things out oh, there, boy. you know. I don't know. I can't think of any more Kurt Russell. <laughs> you know what I find ironic when you say Wyatt Russell? Someone pointed out. This Richard Linklater movie that came out a while ago called Everybody Wants Him. Uh, apparently, Wyatt Russell was in it, and he's also uh, uh, playing opposite a guy that stars as Superman and Superman and Lois or whatever the new Superman show is. So this one movie had Superman and uh, Captain America in it. And oh. uh, I don't know why I felt like that was so important to tell you. That is, no, that's kind of a funny. Oh, that's boy. a fun trivia fact, though. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. I, I like when. Uh, a tidbit for you. Tidbits. Tidbits. Stinker. <laughs> Moving on, Dennis. I have two, oh. two alternative stories here. Do you want to hear uh, something about Disney or something about anime? Oh, you know, hit me I with that. Like I know the answer. Hit here, me but... with that anime. We, we we always talk about Disney. Okay. All right. So a couple of episodes ago, maybe three or four episodes ago, you reviewed a movie that I dug a lot called Kong Skull Island. Well, that movie was directed by a cat named... Jordan Vaught Roberts and uh, Netflix just uh, signed him up to direct a uh, live action version of the anime Gundam. And it's being written by oh. a very famous comic book writer, uh, Brian K. Vaughn, who uh, made a legendary comic people love called Why the Last Man. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm intrigued. 
I feel like these are two great filmmakers coming together with a big anime title that everyone loves. Oh, and, uh, damn. It's going to Netflix where they have the money to do all this. Hell yeah. I'm intrigued. You know, with that writer, it's it's going to be the story is not going to be afraid to be bold and dark. Like this is uh, those familiar with the Gundam universe, you know, that especially in the Gundam wing, it is this is not a happy, pleasant corner of space. This is th- these are we're falling in hard times for humanity. Everyone's fighting each other. Giant robot against giant robot. Oh, now that that'll be fucking cool, man. I am excited. <laughs> I, I've always liked yeah. giant robot stuff and. Gundam was my entry point into this mm-hmm. genre, so uh, this should should be like fun. for a while. I thought the closest we'd get to this would have been a Pacific, Pacific Rim, Rim, yeah. But yeah. hopefully now we're actually getting this. And I guess we just had with the Congress Godzilla or Godzilla vs Kong, we had Mega Godzilla. So yeah, I guess the mech life is growing. And uh, funny that you mentioned you love video games because uh, this director, after he does this, he's going to go over to Sony and direct Oscar Isaac in the Metal Gear Solid. Line. Oh, my God. OK, yeah. All right. I OK, there's talking about so, movie games or video game movies to get excited about. There's oh, there's another one on my list, but uh, I don't want to I don't want to get my hopes up, but but I am. Yeah, I am. That's true. I'm going <laughs> to. yeah so i know there's not much to say yet about either of those but uh, i just feel like it's nice putting it out there that we're getting these big franchises that hopefully could be really fun to watch oh yeah i yeah here's hoping there's so much solid cinematic material and so much deep storytelling from a lot of these sources that there's a lot to work with now how they choose to work with it is going to be the big thing that's true that is true. So many angles and avenues they could take. So, yeah, you're not going to please everyone with everything you do. So let's hope uh, you please a few people and uh, the masses That's, like it. This is true. It's not like every movie you can make can bring yeah. the whole family into theaters. But uh, some That's movies true. do. Some that movies try true. that. Back in back in 2011, there was a movie called Rio that brought families together. Dennis, I'm going to review the movie Rio, starring Jesse Eisenberg and Anne Hathaway. Because when I think of those two, I think of yeah. singing birds. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this movie uh, has been on multiple platforms as I'm searching for things to watch. It's on Hulu, it's on Disney+. Plus, and, uh, Which is kind of surprising. TV is promoting Rio 2. Yeah, uh, 10 years later, they're like, check out this movie. And it's like, fuck, I guess I'll check it out. So this movie is about a... Uh, Macau, Macau, a blue bird that lives in the ancient Rio jungles, but he's scooped away as a young bird. And when he's being brought to America, his crate falls off the back of a truck and he forms a bomb with Leslie Mann as a child. And they grow up together and they have a weird relationship and he doesn't know how to fly. And he's just a sheltered bird. But then this this bird scientist, I'm going to call it, comes to town and he's like, you have one of the last macaws oh. around. Let's breed him with another female. Oh. And she's like, I don't know. But they end up going to Rio. And uh, when it looks like these birds are going to mate, they're like, let's give them some privacy. And then bird thieves come in and oh, steal no. them. And then they get lost. And then it's like, will they find help? Will they not? Ah, oh, man. What a movie. It's dark. It's dark. And even the kid that kidnaps them is a little boy who doesn't have a oh. family. And he's, he's just stealing birds and making money but it has, it's a weird fucking movie 
it, it's it's lighthearted and fun, but it has a great cast. You got Jesse Eisenberg, Wanda Sykes, Jane Lynch, oh. uh, Jamie Foxx, Will I Am, uh, George Lopez. Oh, wow. so and then very recognizable cast. voices. And, uh, they that's a very distinctly yeah. like I any one of these people can be in something else. You not see their face, and then you're gonna recognize that voice. So I don't know. This movie came out ten years ago. I haven't seen it since then. But my girlfriend wants to watch it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's give it a shot. I'm always down to watch something different. And I was happy I watched it. Good. It was fun. It was enjoyable. But uh, I'm gonna give it. It's, it's nothing special in my book. I'm giving it two slices of toast. Two slices. All right. All right. That is. That's the uh, the animated musical Rio. You can watch it on Disney Plus. You can watch it on Hulu. You can watch it. You can rent it. You can buy it. I don't know. But check it out if you get kids. If you like musicals. If you like. Uh, lighthearted comedies with dark undertones. Uh, but the weird thing is uh, the, the studio that did this blue sky studios, uh, they did ice age and a bunch of the Fox mm. animated movies. Disney just shut them down recently because they're like, fuck it. We don't need another company. We're Disney. And it's like, so oh, we're never going to see a true trilogy of Rio, I guess. Huh? So if, if you hoped for, for a tri- trilogy, you're going to just get a second one and that's it kids. Oh. Maybe I'll review that second one in the future. Let's wait 10 years for yeah. it, though. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to rush. <laughs> when we're about uh, 652 episodes deep. I'll... There you go. That's about enough time. Oh, boy. Yeah. Let it simmer. Not 600, not 700. Right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to be too too time sensitive on that. Uh, what, what did you what, what did you watch? You said you watched one movie this week. I'm intrigued to see what it is. Well, sir, um, I, I dipped back for another cult classic. I kind of been enjoying this trend of dipping into the, the weird sci fi things that I never really got to fully appreciate. And I picked a movie that I feel has been referenced a lot. In fact, one of my favorite movies of all time, the classic four slicer Wayne's World makes a, a reference to this film. Mm. I'm talking about 1981's Scanners, directed by David Cronenberg. Oh, uh, it's 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 a. Flick that it seems to at first I thought it was something that took place in the future, but it kind of seems to be somewhat con- well contemporary to the time uh, with maybe little bits of flair of high technology. But this is not a futuristic uh, kind of movie. This isn't like uh, a deep unknown technology. Um, we are quickly learning this is a world where telekinetics exist, but it's not in the means that we have come to learn in like comic books and movies, this isn't just, I can, you hear the words coming out of my brain kind of thing. Uh, this, this is well beyond, this is much closer to full on telekinesis, pyrokinesis, all of the kinesis kind of rolled into one. And the people who possess these powers, there, it's, it's a whole lot. Everything's moving. Uh, but with your brain, <laughs> um, the, the like people that. who possess all of these powers are called scanners. And they call the the act of interacting with another's mind scanning. So our, we, we kind of start off in this, what looks like this homeless dude. He's shuffling through a food court. He's just shamelessly picking food up off of uh, trays that haven't been picked up yet. And he's eating the, eating the food, the bites of things left behind. And uh, there's this woman at another table who's staring, kind of looking at him, staring at him. And you see her talking to her friend. And although they look kind of far away, their voices are really loud. It's almost like they're screaming at, at the camera, like they're screaming at the character. And you can tell he's getting he's getting headaches and he's, he's it's really bothering him. And he uh, he he starts getting agitated. Well, the woman making the negative comments about him all of a sudden just drops to the floor. She's in a seizure. She's got a bloody nose. She's freaking out. All these people run up to her. And then these two guys in trench coats run up to the homeless dude, 
Hey, we know you're a scanner. They capture the guy. They bring him in. The story sets up. You find out there's uh, a list of known scanners on the planet, a little over 200 of them. And there's a guy, uh, this villainous terrorist character who is also a scanner, played by Michael Ironside, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, voice and acting. He's always been a great villain. Um, but to me, he's always going to be Sam Fisher from the Splinter Cell series. He's an excellent villain, a, like a really sick, twisted individual that you kind of left wondering what is he going to do next? Because clearly he has very little disregard for human life. But he also is the part of like the corporate structure of how this whole ball started rolling. So what, what you, you come to find out, um, he's he may or may not be killing other scanners and the survivors he's drawing into his cause where they will then take over the planet and the, the normies have to submit to the scanners and the scanners will have full control over the planet. <laughs> uh, his long-term goal is those without our, our skills are less than us and we are going to be the superior building beings very much like a uh, Magneto X-Men universe. Um, they, they are the alphas now. So there, it's a little bit of a whodunit um, our, our homeless guy who's, who finds out he's a scanner, he gets recruited and he thinks he's helping the right side. And then you find out, uh, you start to question the man he's working for. Oh, maybe he shouldn't be trusted. Maybe it's not him. Maybe it's the people above him that actually shouldn't be trusted. It does take up a couple of nice turns, um, where the movie starts to kind of show its age is, I don't think this is like incredible performances. Uh, I like, like I keep mentioning Michael Ironside as the villain. I didn't, I was not familiar with the rest of the cast. No one really stood, especially the main two, uh, the main two characters just never gave incredibly strong performances to me. There was nothing terribly remarkable about what they did on screen that I was like, Oh, this is riveting. This is riveting stuff. Really what kept me going was the plot the, the the crazy powers they had, which actually there's not a wide extensive use of special effects and the effects you do see are really cool in camera stuff. Uh, gnarly makeup applications, um, practical effects. The, the, the infamous reference scene of the guy's head exploding is all like in camera and it is gruesome, but looks cool. You know, there's no CG. It is just, pop head explode and it's i know it's vulgar and it sounds ridiculous but the fact that it is all done in special effects and camera i loved it um that's beautiful to see you don't you oh get yeah that very often and it looked even better when it's in camera absolutely a hundred percent better in camera um so as much as i enjoyed those aspects and you know how i am with with those type of practical effects i'm always going to enjoy that stuff first uh, some of the movies slowed down a little bit for me. And sometimes I feel like it kind of took a minute to get to the next scene that really kind of picked the pace back up. Hmm. Um, but I wouldn't say don't, don't not check it out. Uh, I'm going to give uh, scanners two and a half slices of toast. I did it in, in my string of like uh, kind of throwback sci-fi stuff that I've been watching. It just didn't hit as hard for me as like Johnny Mnemonic or Virtuosity. And I know this is easily a Fair decade enough. earlier, but it still very much had that tone. And what I noticed immediately is it kind of hit that midpoint of there's like the 70s sci-fi films that kind of leave you with that feeling of like hopelessness at the end. And like, is this really the end of the story kind of feeling? And it's 
this this film is kind of just leaving that phase of telling those types of stories. So you still have, you have a little bit of that going on, but then you have a little bit of leaning into that next f- futuristic phase. Um, so I, it, it, the tone of the film was fun. I liked the sets. I liked the practical effects. Uh, it just felt a little slow in places for me. So that that's what led to my my uh, review there. Um, I did watch this on HBO Max. So you can, as of this moment, you can still find it there. I, it might be moving by the end of the month, though. So I would say if you're interested and you have HBO Max, go check it out before it's gone. Um, but yeah, not, not a bad time, though. I'm glad I watched I've it. I've never seen it before. Yeah, I, it w- would be add, good to the, add to your, your HBO queue while it's still lingering there. But uh, nice. what, what do you got up next for us? Do you got something dark from the 80s like I did? Uh, no, but I do have a movie that's darkish in tone, a movie oh. that just came out last Friday, a small indie movie that's not even on VOD and only playing in one theater in my area. Oh, man. It's called We Broke Up. Yeah. Um, so it stars two people that I know from TV. Uh, this one guy from uh, the show um, The Good Place, uh, this guy named William Jackson Harper. He also was in the movie Midsommar. And then uh, this this actress named Aya Cash or I Aya Cash. Uh, she was on the show I love called You're the Worst, but you, Dennis, probably okay. know her, her like most people as Stormfront from The Boys. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Crazy Nazi woman. Yeah. Uh, so these two have been a couple for like 10 years. They're perfect for each other. And the night before they uh, go to Aya's sister's wedding, uh, um the uh, william proposes to her he's like oh you should marry me will you marry me and she just her her gut reaction she just vomits she just pukes right there oh no and then later he asks her again and she just doesn't know how to answer so they break up and they decide they're gonna go to the wedding they're not gonna tell anybody about it and it's just awkward and weird and it's it's so dark because like everyone like the sister's getting married to a guy she just met recently they seem like an awkward fit and the mother's like oh you guys are the couple i care about oh. like, there's all these jabs of oh when you guys get married you're not gonna have to worry about not knowing oh no because you know everyone you guys have been together forever and there's this built-in history they just keep turning the and knife just, just oh. yeah, yeah. and there's points where you're like oh maybe they're gonna get back together and maybe they do get back together and maybe they break up it's like so many different things and it's like one of those movies that you hate uh, where you're like characters doing things that you're just like, no, I'm rooting for you to do the opposite of this. And then, oh, now you're doing what I want you to do, but I still feel weird about it. It's so, it's like a tailspin. This oh. movie. And like, uh, I, I, I had so, like, it's a comedy. I believe it's a comedy, but I didn't laugh very much because it was more of a darker comedy, but it wasn't like a dark, like people are dying. It's more of like a, what's happening. Yeah. It's like, it's so, yeah, it was a weird headspace to be in, but it was, it was well done. Okay. Um, and it was very interesting. Um, so this is, uh, like I said, playing in one theater near me. And uh, I don't know where you're all living. Uh, might be in a theater near you or maybe not. And uh, it's not on VOD. So this feels like a movie that's going to pop up on like Amazon or Hulu in a few months. So uh, if you ever see a title pop up called We Broke Up, uh, now you know what it is. You might want to check it out. I'm going to give it two and a half slices. Of toast. Like I said, it was oh, good. nice. It wasn't hilarious. It wasn't sad. Okay. It was just this weird. Space. You know, the, at the beginning, when so, you first started describing the movie, I was really starting to get these uh, uh, destination wedding vibes where it's like it's a comedy, but it's it still has the darker edge of, well, they keep treating each other. You know, it's like <laughs> the, the relationship they have and it's very like bitter and they don't like each other at all. 
oh, but then we had sex. We don't, we don't want to do this. That I, I loved that back and forth of like. Well, that's the thing. Like, they're they're they don't hate each other. Like, they both admit they love each other. Okay, but it's just like. She, like I think it's she likes the way they are. She likes the fact that sure. they live in an apartment together. They're not married because I think it all stems down to the fact that her mother had her and her sister young, and their father was never around. So maybe they just don't trust that sure. they can be in a okay. relationship like okay. that. And the guy's like, "I've been with you for ten years. I spent my whole life with you. And if you don't want to marry me, I don't want to stay in this weird landing landing pattern." Mm, the so ultimatum. It's like, just awkward. Yeah, yeah. So. Because for a while, they don't even show them breaking up. It just cuts to like she vomits and then like cuts to they're at home and they're not talking. The guy's sleeping on the couch, brushing his teeth in the kitchen while she's in the bathroom. And then they're 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 driving to the wedding and it's just and then later they show him breaking up and you kind of get the gist, Mm. though. But yeah, okay. But um, yeah. So once again, I give a we broke up two and a half slices of toast. Not bad. Not great. It is what it is. All right. It's in the middle of the All road. Right. Yeah. I don't regret seeing yeah. it. I'll Can't tell get you. mad at that. Yeah. Nice. Another movie that I just reviewed, just reviewed, that I just watched that I'm about to review, <laughs> I regret not seeing in the theater. Oh. A, a movie called City of Lies. Um, Dennis, if I say these names, you probably won't think anything of it. Uh, Russell Poole and Jack, jo- uh, Jack Johnson. Uh, these are real life people. I watched a movie about uh this uh police detective named russell Poole who was investigating the murder of notorious big oh shit and kind of in a way tupac shakur and uh jack johnson is a reporter who is trying to get some information about his investigation from 10 years ago jack johnson is played by forrest whitaker and uh russell Poole is played by johnny oh Depp. wow now my issue with johnny depp most most of the time is he's playing these over-the-top very exaggerated characters that I'm like, fuck you, Johnny Depp. Now, now that you've been Captain Jack Sparrow, you're not a normal person anymore. Now you just do these wacky roles. And this, I'm happy to say, he played a normal guy. Okay. Just a whole a regular man. And that made me so nice. happy. And Forrest Whitaker was delightful, as as he always is. Like, so these two guys are given this amazing performance together. And um nice. so pretty much it jumps back and forth of him talking to uh, them talking to each other and then you're seeing what happened the night of and pretty much it shows that Johnny Depp's character Ru- Russell Poole kind of uncovered that the LAPD was in bed with uh, Death Row Records which is uh, Suge Knight's company yeah. who everyone assumes had something to do with Biggie yeah the, he, supposedly and, uh, he made the call learned, yeah yeah one thing I learned that I did not know Dennis and anybody who's ever gone to Columbia College Hollywood did you know that originally Death Row Records was like a minute away from Columbia College? It was on Oxnard Street right down the road. No road. way. I never knew that. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Oh, dang. That's kind of scary, too. You know, some yeah. shit probably went down really in there. <laughs> that's cool. Oh, that, that was not yeah. a stinker. That was a good trivia piece right there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Sometimes I have them in me. Um but um, yeah, so pretty much he's uncovering all this stuff, but every step of the way he's being shut down and people are are like tell, telling me you can't investigate this anymore. You can't do that, this and that. And he still goes at it. He ends up giving up his relationship with his family to, to focus on this. And like this is 10 years or X amount of years after the murder. Oh, he still is trying to get it all figured out. And even Jack Johnson, the uh, the 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 writer at I think it's like L.A. Times or something like mm. he is his initially hired to write a retrospective about Biggie years later. And that's when he uncovers all this stuff with Russell. And 
as he's learning more and more, his boss is like, nope, you, you're not writing this anymore. We don't want you to do this. And it's like, clearly there's a lot of people in oh. bed with the wrong people and they don't know who to trust. And it's just like a really tight movie. Like it's two hours, but it flies by. And it's like the cinematography is beautiful. It almost looks like it was shot on film. There's like this, like Damn. not overexposure or underexposure. It's just perfect and crisp looking. The soundtrack is beautiful. The acting is superb. Oh man. I, I'm going to give city of lies three and a half. Oh shit. It's definitely worth. Nice out. man. Yeah. They, you got me. Yeah. And intrigued. the interesting thing about this, they shot this back in like 2018 and it just came out a few months ago, but there, this was like Johnny Depp's last big movie. So to say that was going to come out because when this happened, Johnny Depp actually got in an alter physical altercation with the uh, locations manager on it. And he was sued. So that kind of held the movie up for a while. And once that kind of almost got settled, the Amber Heard and him mm. thing happened. Oh, it was like, this shit. movie's just been so canned for so many years. And it finally came out and I'm like, nah, I don't get to see it. And now I regret not seeing it in the theater because it was damn strange. man. Well, yeah, no, yeah. I, I got to find this thing. And, and where I apologize. Well, where can we find this? Uh, this this is on all VOD platforms. Uh, okay, I think you get it for like six bucks over on like Amazon Prime. I watched it on Vudu for seven bucks. Uh, yeah, or you could buy it for twelve bucks. I'm kind of oh, wow. sad that I did. That's actually it, not a bad deal. I don't know how often I go back and rewatch it, but actually, that's a great it's deal. It's really good. It's it's a great bi oh bi biography crime thriller type of thing. But the interesting thing at the end, you see Johnny Depp talking to uh, Biggie's mom, and then Forrest Whitaker comes and talks to him. And I'm like, who's this actress? I don't know her. Turns out they actually got Biggie's real life oh, playing herself. That's cool. Scene, and it was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, that's yeah. that's cool on the family too. So, All right. That's hopefully yeah, they got yeah. to shed light on a part of the story that they think people didn't really get to see or understand. Because I know I know there's a lot of myth and there's a lot of things up in the air, you know, surrounding the story. And that's uh And they touch base on that here oh, too. Okay. Like yeah, that's kind of called. So it, I think if, if a theater put this together with the, uh, I want to say 2009 Notorious movie, it'd be a great double Ooh, feature. Ooh, there's a movie night. Biggie up to being killed and then seeing the investigation of it. Oh, man, that'd be fun. Dang. Oh, yeah. Well, man, that's that's a four pretty solid movies. I, I was decently surprised. I know we were a little apprehensive coming into it, but it turns out uh, we, got, we had some decent stuff to watch. I know for a fact, yeah. though, we both watched one show that was uh, that has been pretty decent thus far, but I will mention now. Maybe not my favorite episode. Just going to say, oh, folks, you know it. You love it. We're talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus. This is getting oh, into yeah. what is this episode five? Episode five? Yes. Spoilers, yeah. guys. Spoilers. Is oil all over the floor. Look out. Don't slip. So if you haven't seen it, guys. I'd shut this podcast off now and go check it out. Even though Dennis just gave it a dour review briefly, check it out and come back. I, yeah, I, I'm curious what you have to say, Adam. I, I know there's, I know a lot of story is covered. I know a lot of ground is covered. This is a, something that my wife and I went back and forth on. Cause I think she actually liked the episode a, a little more than I did, but I have some comparison notes to WandaVision that, uh, which is kind of why I have an issue with this. But uh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead to opinion. Let's give you a little story. What do you when, when can you set us up for what's what's going on in this yeah, episode? Yeah. Which is ironic because normally you do that because I suck at it, but I'm going to give him a best shot. So this picks up literally right after fucking John Walker, our new Captain America, beheaded a man. Yeah. So many people. Oh. He runs away and he's kind of freaking out. And then 
Bucky and Sam kind of catch up to him. They kind of talk him down. They're like, hey, man, if you kind of turn yourself in and explain your situation, you'll be fine. You're just going to have to give us the shield. And he's like, fuck that. And there's this big, brutal fight where fucking John almost decapitates, I want to say Bucky, and where he rips off Bucky's wings. Uh, and no, Sam's, he, he, he almost decapitates him. Sam. He rips off Sam's wings. Sam. Yeah, yeah, he's yep. just about rips to up. do the same thing with yeah. the shield again. And you see it's getting to him. And one thing I got to say last week, I'm like, hey, man, as he's getting more and more angry, his beard's coming in and his his facial is a little thicker in this, even though it picks up where the last one left off. (laughs) I just want to call that out. (laughs) But so, yeah, so then eventually our guys kick his ass and take the shield back. They rightfully have the shield. However, he's kind of then brought into court. They strip him of his uh, medals. They 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 pull back the Captain America name. And he's kind of pissed about this. And it's like, sure. They're like, hey, man, where he's like, but in the circumstances, like, yo, dude, the circumstances, we've we've worked those in consideration here. You should be in prison, but we're not even going to do that to you. And so he leaves court and then a new character kind of walks in a big cameo that I'm like, what the fuck is this, man? Fucking Julia Louis Dreyfus. comes. Yeah. And. Wow. You want to talk about that? Um, okay. So I, I this is where I'm going to reveal. I I wish I was more aware of the comic book character, comic book characters coming into it. But as soon as you saw Julia Louis-Dreyfus' face on screen, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. shit. This is this is someone yeah. we are uh, going to come back to. Uh, but I thought I heard. Oh, yeah. I thought I heard Electra's name. So that threw me off for oh. a second. And it's like huh. she was she did come like she technically comes from royalty and like she comes from a lot of money. And we've severed the Netflix universe from from the films, more or less. So is that who she is? I hope I, I, I'm just taking a stab in the dark. And then she you can call me Val, but don't call me Val, which, of course, my wife, his name is Val. Yeah. She thought that was hilarious. And then just that. Yeah, classic. Just she has that whole oh. Julia Louis. It, I was going to say it's that. Vibe. Yeah, she, uh, you, we both. That's funny. We we're both reacting to the same thing. This beautifully dry delivery that has this perfect comedic cadence, where it's not Elaine from Seinfeld. It, it's so mm-hmm. much more uh, uh, the vice pre- her vice president character, and I love that. It's it's almost like the power she commands. She doesn't need to mm-hmm. ask. Uh, she doesn't need to or sorry she doesn't need to earn your your opinion of her she has it like she owns the room yeah i love that like, she had that when she walked up hi like even putting his wife down a little mm-hmm. bit it's just like oh you're still yeah here. the wife was like talking she's asking her questions and she just ignores her and then later <laughs> she kind of like acknowledges her she's like yeah well i guess marrying her is also an important thing but you got to answer the phone when i call it like essentially i don't know who she is like you uh but she's like hey man i kind of work in the gray zone of the government we know that you don't have the shield. We know the situation, but they might have kicked you out. They had to make it look like they were they were mad at you. But me, I'm going to call you up and I'm going to need you to do something big for me. And it's like, oh, OK. And then she kind of walks away, but she leaves a burner phone for him. No, it's a, so it's a something's no, it's a phone. It's a business. It's a blank business card. Oh, yes. One side is black and one card. side is white and there's no marking. So something's going to happen there. It's going to be something big. And then John goes and talks to his battle stars parents oh that was a solid scene apologizing yeah but it's weird as he's apologizing he doesn't sound like himself like he sounds more like it's scripted and like and he lies Seems like something's overtaken his body yeah he lies to them telling them i they they ask if the killer was put down 
and he lies to them and tell like to try to I get it. He's trying to give them peace of mind that, yeah, you don't have to worry. It's like I I immediately put I, you know, I immediately had my vengeance, you know, have peace, have some peace of mind that he's put down. But then one of the things I noticed is in this scene where the parents were very like they had this closure. Didn't seem like the sister was on board. It kind of didn't. It felt like the sister. We know John. Maybe we're not the biggest fan of him. I, I feel like there's a little bit of history that we didn't get to mention. And I'm hoping some more backstory gets revealed that it's it's like drawing that line even deeper of he's not the man he used to be. My The way I I digested that was he's what does Walker do? Like, why is Walker behaving like this? I feel like she didn't recognize the man who was in the room. This is not my brother. Not at all. This is not my brother's buddy. This is not my brother's, mm-hmm. you know brother this is someone else like i that, that's how i took it i i love that the show acknowledges those subtleties and can use very little to tell you a whole lot so the b story here sam goes home to his sister and uh, his sister sarah and his nephews and helps fix up this boat that their family has owned for years it's brought them money but nobody in town wants to buy the boat off of them because the sister wanted to sell it to make money just to be done with it but nobody wants it and sam's like you know what I don't care. I'm here. I'm going to help you. I'm going to fix it. He calls up all his friends. He pulls in a bunch of uh, a bunch of people to help him out. Oh, yeah. He, uh, gets Bucky to come in and help him out. And oh, no. Bucky surprised him. But okay, Bucky, yeah, remember, Bucky, Bucky just showed okay. up. I'm here to help. Fair enough. Yep. <laughs> and so we, we get a montage of these guys, like kind of like an 80s style montage of them fixing up the boat and whatnot. And uh, I don't know. It was delightful. Like, yeah. I'm like, I liked the community. I liked him. Funny comedy here. Yeah, yeah. You, you are you getting kind of talking about like, hey, what what's going on with this? What's going on with that? And this and that. And like, at the same point before all this happens, I I kind of left out. Um, Sam goes to Atlanta, I think, to visit Isaiah Bradley, and he kind of wants to get more info out. Wants to find out why he hates Captain America, why he hates America, what the story is, and yes. we get a little bit more out of Isaiah. Isaiah kind of tells him, hey, man. I was one of multiple African-American guys who they tested the super soldier serum on and uh, they didn't tell us what they were doing. And like a bunch of other guys died. He had the serum. It kind of worked for him. And like they put him in prison and it was some heartbreaking shit. Yeah. And he's like, because Sam wanted to give him the shield. He wanted he's he's Captain America. He should have the shield. He deserves. Yeah. It. And he's that like, was want that. honestly that moment right there of I, I loved this. Because this is, I think, why Sam is such a fantastic character is he, he in, in his mind, after all these years, he felt if anyone deserves to hold the shield, it's this man. Mm-hmm. He had to deal with so much shit. He put his life on the line for our country. And then he was treated like crap. He was thrown in prison yeah. and experimented on. If anyone deserves the glory and like the honor of picking up that shield, it should be him. But... Mm-hmm. It's after everything you said. He understands the gravity. They're of different generations. Sam never had to go through this. Although he's had horrible hardships, he's seen injustice. the ugliness, injustice. Yeah, he's seen that the what humans are capable of, what Americans are capable of. Being a black mm-hmm. man in the South, he makes that comment. But he never lived through that same generation that his predecessor did. So yeah. where he had the best intention of trying to hand out, give him the shield. What that truly meant, he didn't quite understand until that meeting. And I loved that moment of realization of, 
there's a lot mm-hmm. of factors to consider. You might you may have the view you have, but there's a whole lot of people who also have their perspectives of the situation. And Isaiah even says any self-righteous African-American person would know not to take that or shield, self-respecting fight for America, self-respecting. Sorry. Yeah. Like that he would not want after what the U S whatever America has done to black people as slaves and whatnot, you shouldn't fight for him like that. And it's like, Sam kind of gets it and he agrees, but he realizes someone has to take up the mantle and like we see fucking after Sam's wings are ripped off back with the fight with John Walker, fucking his buddy from the first episode we saw, he's like, hey, man, you want me to fix up the wings? Like, I don't need them anymore. And then we see a montage of Sam fucking learning to throw the shield. Yeah. Muscle working out. That was so badass. That was awesome. It did. It was cool to see the that that slight build up the you know, we I feel like we we knew we were starting milling this direction, but now we're acknowledging Sam understands his calling. He understands his place where mm-hmm. Isaiah is frustrated with where he was and he deservedly. So Sam recognizes he needs to be the instrument of change. No, you can't yep. just accept. You can't. You, we, we will not hate this. He has just as much a right to carry the shield as anyone else does. So I, I love that he he's decided to take the battle upon himself. I will mm-hmm. be, I will pick up the shield and I will be Captain America. And he doesn't even say it. He just does it. He yeah. shows it. Oh, you know it's going there. Rich. You know it's oh, going yeah. there. Oh, And man. after that heart to heart, he goes back to see his sister and he kind of apologizes her. He, he explains like, he's like, I bet you think I always run away and I'm not here for the family. But what I do is for the family. Like he has a heart to heart with his sister after I'm like, damn, he's such the heart of this show. Yeah. And normally in the movies, he's kind of the goofy sidekick. But now he's really like. Uh, so important. They gave so true depth to Sam's character. I, I, he, he very much deserves it. The, the actor, mm-hmm. Anthony Mackie, deserves it because he can, he okay. has depth, and he's finally getting to actually give a lot more. Um, given all that, excuse <laughs> me. Given all that, yes, there was there was very touching moments. They had, like there was very good scenes, but holy shit, that fight scene we talked about, folks. That's it. That was it. And then the whole to me, I'm sorry. I just got to say, and then the rest of the episode, it's like this slow downhill slide into, and we're settling down and everyone's going to their places. You know that that just means they were saving some budget for the big spectacular, which is going to be this finale of episode six. I got to hope something big's coming. Well, listen to what you just said. I got to hope. What I'm seeing on screen, though, that's the budget they spent. Invest that. You've invested the time. Pre, like, acknowledge that me as yeah, an audience member, don't us. sell me short. Oh, well, but... I liked it. I, I felt like they gave the characters time to digest everything that's happened. And we're also forgetting to talk about what happened with Zemo here. Like, which and, goes find Zemo. Yes. And it's like that. That was a part of it. Then, you know, and then and, and its conclusion, which I loved that resolution. That was a great scene. And don't get me wrong. I, I recognize the merit of every scene in this episode. And I appreciate what each scene does. But I feel like every single scene is like three times longer than it needed to be. Sure. I could, like the, I, like I loved watching him train with the shield and stuff. But then after like two minutes, I'm like, 
uh, okay, are we are we gonna watch him run, run again, or are we gonna watch him doing throw the same it thing? He's doing like jumping. He's doing like weird like special kicks and which backflips. I mean, and... it was cool. I liked watching the stunts and stuff. But no, no, no I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm oh, they, it was just all repetitive. Yeah. Oh, for it's sure. Like if they gave us a little more, it might have been interesting. But and I feel we're seeing the progression. We even saw it look like he went from like regular muscles to bigger muscles it's like they were showing progression but they could have done it a more funner quicker manner yeah it, I, I guess. it could have been like half the like that sequence could have been half the time the fixing the boat same kind of similar thing i but then there was still yeah there's but then there's so many moments that i appreciate i liked mm-hmm. him watching like talking to the community that bond of like no we all loved your parents i loved the um it, the the cute funny moment of of bucky and sam's sister flirting a little <laughs> bit and sam's sister. like you are not going to be flirting. Like, I loved that. That was, mm-hmm. it's great little moments, but it's like, but again, they're just little moments. That's not the whole scene. And I feel like there's mm-hmm. just a lot well, of dead weight this, this episode. We also haven't talked about the end of the episode or the post-credit scene. This is true. I, I love that post-credit scene, but it's, <laughs> yeah. again, I, I feel like the whole episode just feels like a ramp, but it's not, mm-hmm. It's 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 like the giant stunt ramp where you need to start from a high point and it comes down really low to build up the momentum and the episode ends at the base of it. It's or it's like a half pipe, uh-huh. a skateboard half pipe. Where, except yeah. it's not a half pipe; it's a quarter pipe. All we got was the was the drop in, and that pissed me off. I it's like to me it felt like watching the pilot of WandaVision. That's where my comparison was going to come in. Of like, okay, we were running at such a good pace. And now you just slammed on the brakes, like, and, and yeah, I don't, I, I, I get it. I, I just, I just want to highlight like this kind of, for me, it breaks the mold. I'm not trying to take a big steamer all over the episode. I still enjoyed it. I was, but, but, but to be honest, compared to the other episodes at the end of it, I was just kind of like, oh, all right. Well, that was a bummer. I want to, uh, let's Fair get, enough. let's, let's get to next week. I was already just like, oh, yeah. I have nothing to like savor and enjoy other than well, I didn't get to see the new suit. <laughs> true and we finally saw sharon carter doing some very devious things she wants to yeah. killed it sounds like it's i'm starting to wonder we've, we we talked about broker? that's what i wonder it's like okay we we've talked about this elusive power broker but we've never seen them is she the power broker are we going to combine some characters together and now it's going to be like this the only way to keep your enemy is right at your side so she poses as maintaining her previous identity when it turns out she might actually be like the one in control, which would be interesting because when we first meet her, she is just an unseemingly uh, homely nurse that lives across from Captain America. Yes. And then we find out she's a spy. So what if she's been infiltrating him this whole time? You're right. As a villain opposed to as as a good guy. It's like that could be a long con that I mean, sure, we don't see very much of her, but that'd be an interesting little that like, I would appreciate a lot. I would control. actually enjoy if she got if she had a turn at the end because I I feel well as badass as she is in combat. I just feel like her character story wise hasn't done much, but if she, because if she comes around in the back end, that she, would be badass. Yeah. Now. All right. And then of course, uh, the end scene here, we see that she hired, uh, the bad guy in the first episode to come back with their flag smashers. And they're about to have a big coup. And we see the government organization, the people who, uh, pretty much barred John Walker from being a captain America. Now they're under attack. And that's right where this episode ends. And yes. you want to talk about the post credit scene really quick? Oh, it is a furious, sweaty, determined John Walker in a barn with some uh, blacksmithing tools. 
and he's he's working on something. Ooh, is he passionately working on something? And that something looks like to be a pretty spot on replica of the cap shield. Yeah, and it's weird. It kind of reminded me of seeing Tony Stark make the first model Ooh, of the Iron Man. Suit. Good parallel comparison, but like and the villainous like, version. Yeah, but is are you like me? I'm I'm holding out some hope that uh old man uh, Steve Rogers might pop up in the final episode. I know he probably won't, but a part of me wants it bad. Because I mean, you okay. know he's out there. He's seeing something happening in the world. He might be kind of let down that this this but, has happened to his besmirched his name but i know he wants people to think he's dead exactly he can't really have his presence known if he reveals himself to bucky and sam they'll freak out and and i think they'll like retroactively become pissed at him like well why didn't you just fucking come find us and tell us you're safe <laughs> and let you know we'll let you be an old man you know but <laughs> honestly at this point i'm kind of like i wouldn't be surprised am i hoping yeah. for it like am i holding my breath nah Oh, man. Can you believe we've six weeks since uh, almost six weeks since uh, WandaVision ended? Seven weeks, maybe? Oh, God, no. It feels like yesterday. Yeah. Holy cow. Wow. Well, I I know where we're going with this, Dennis. What, what were you about to say? <laughs> it, it sounds like we're 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 wrapping out the show. We're getting to that point, ladies and gents. But before we do the old send off, you know, we got to remind you, we got to tell you, we got to entice you. Movie Toast the Festival. Movie Toast the Festival. It is coming in December. We have a pretty good size of submissions, but we still would love to see what you have to offer. Please do not hesitate. Filmfreeway.com. Search for Movie Toast the Festival or filmfreeway.com backslash Movie Toast the Festival. And you will find our page there. We are eager to screen your stuff and get get, get your eyeballs, get your eyeballs, get their eyeballs on your films. You can get your eyeballs on their films, too. Everyone's watching each other's films. All the eyeballs and all the films. Ears, too, if you got them. Movie Toast the Festival. We're very excited about it. Oh, you know, you can't make assumptions. That's true. If you don't have ears, uh, I don't know how you're listening to this episode, but uh, let us know over at Movie Toast News and Reviews on Facebook or... I guess if you want to talk and tell us you have ears uh, over on our YouTube page, same name. <laughs> but if you want to go to a more traditional route, like with, let's say Twitter, Instagram, Discord, Reddit, we're at movie underscore toast. We want to hear from you. What did you think about this episode of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier? Did you agree with me? Did you agree with Dennis? Uh, do you have any movie suggestions you think we should check out? Uh, what, do, what do you like? What do you dislike about the show? Um, could you leave us some reviews over at apple podcast uh they're not going to be gleaming reviews they just got to be reviews and dennis let's tease our big may 4th oh folks we are getting um we're getting some things together we're getting our plans ready we are excited of course for star wars day may the 4th be with you we are really excited to cover uh, a fair amount of ground so i'm those of you disney plus fans may have noticed we recently just got a whole lot of star wars content now although non-canonical I think it's safe to say we can still absorb and appreciate what we have to offer. Adam and I are going to do a deep dive into some of the old Star Wars classics, and we're going to bring you reviews of Ewoks, droids. This is going to be a multimedia blitz. You're going to get stuff about Star Wars in our podcast episode that week, but we'll be releasing a special episode of Toasty Talk, or is it a Toasty Talk? 
I don't know. I don't think it's a toasted dog. We'll figure that. You're out. getting a Star it's Wars like special. Yeah, you're gonna you're yeah. you're gonna be you're getting gonna yourself two different things special. from us. And I'm excited. Star Wars has always been near and dear to my heart. I know it's it's had an impact in your life, Adam. I'm excited to do an all Star some all Star Wars stuff. But don't you worry, mm-hmm. you non Star Wars fans. We are still gonna have that classic movie toast for you, and uh, yeah, we, we're gonna keep bringing you those reviews, Adam. What what what's the what, what can we ask of our fine listeners? What's left? Oh, listeners, we'd really appreciate it if you'd stay toasty. If you're just listening on a phone, we're slowly creeping.